We're good. All right. Process, preparation, performance. We're back, JR. We're back in Quincy, Illinois tonight with Coach Sean Kelly. He's been in Quincy for about a decade now, and he's got a lot of experience to talk about. If you looked at the list of people that he has coached and their accolades, you would want this guy on your staff. Coach Bass tagged him at our last podcast. So we said, why not? Let's go right back to Quincy. It's a yeah. good place. I, I love it. I met my wife there. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we had a we had a pretty good time there. So he's there now, and we're going to get to him, Jr. But you had something very interesting happen to you. You're on a bike ride. <laughs> yep. You're on a bike ride, and you get a flat tire. Yeah, that happens right? way too much. Okay, so. but this but this time something extra special happened. What happened? It was a little different. Uh, so I was sitting there. Uh, kind of on the side of the trail there, and I was actually rode it up to a bench. I rode it about a mile with a flat tire. That's awesome. And <laughs> so I'm sitting on this bench. I'm changing the tire, and this guy rolls up in this contraption. Uh, so it looks like a recumbent bike. I don't know if anybody really knows what that is, but you mm-hmm. kind of sit on the ground. Your feet are out in front of you, and you pedal. And he kind of cruises up, and he goes, how much presser do you have in your tubulars? And I'm like, and I said, okay, so, you know, tubulars would be tubes. And I'm like, all right, heavy German accent going on here. So I said, oh, I'm running about 80. He goes, too much, need to drop pressure. He goes, no more flats, remember me. So, and he cruises off and he's got like a hybrid recumbent to where it, there's some type of electric motor thing going on. But the coolest thing about it, he's got a little cage he made on the back of it and his dog sits in it. So what? his dog fits in the cage, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be damned. I dropped the pressure in my tires 10 pounds down to okay. 70. I've not had a flat in the last three weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, a dude, i am definitely got to remember. This is one of the strangest things. And I tell you what was weird. Yesterday, I rode 40 miles yesterday. So I got pretty close to Columbia, and I, and I passed, uh, and Connie was with me, and I passed these two Mizzou students, it looked like going the other direction and, and they were just stopped. So we went up about half a mile, turned around and I'm looking back down there and I could see them because they had on the Mizzou colors. And so I saw them kind of take off riding and we started back again, the same direction, have no clue where they went. They like disappeared into the, there was nowhere they could have went, but they were just gone. It was like they got abducted or something. It's just. Where are you riding, JR? You what see some weird on? stuff on the Katy Trail, man. There, there was a dude we passed the other day. Homeboy had no shirt on. He had on a pair of like short running neon orange shorts and no shoes. Just rolling down the trail. Riding a bike? Riding a bike. No water, no nothing. I'm like, what? It looked like he was on the beach. Did he at you least see some have a weird stuff? No, no helmet. That just no drives helmet? me nuts. People that don't wear helmets. It's just. It's too dangerous, but I tell you, I can tell bike riding stories all day. Good night. Some of the crap I've seen out there, it is, it, it defies uh, imagination. We got to go on a bike ride sometime, JR. Maybe we'll bring Coach Kelly. He said he gets yeah, on the bike. He, he said, said something he gets about on the a bike. bike. Yeah, he said he gets oh, yeah. on the bike in the morning. So let's, yeah, uh, all right. maybe, maybe we'll get on the bike. But JR, I'm going to kick this off okay. with not a question that you came up with, not a question that I came up with. but with a question from coach bass the head coach at quincy university of the hawks he wants to know coach kelly 
how did you like wearing Barney purple? <laughs> you know, funny question. That was probably like the first thing he asked me whenever he first got hired here as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator and uh, you know, getting to know me. And he's like, oh, where'd you play college ball? And I'm like, oh, McKendry. He's like, aren't they Bar Barney purple? And I was like, yeah, I guess you could say that. Like, never really thought of it that way. I mean, he's not wrong. But uh, how I liked it definitely uh, wasn't my first choice of colors. You know, I actually almost went to Culver Stockton. Oh, oh, um, oh, whoa, whoa. Blue and silver oh, then. Whoa, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That was way more my colors, but got on campus at McKendry, loved it there, and uh, figured I could deal with the purple. Thought I looked really good in the jersey. <laughs> I have purple. Sh I have only have one purple shirt from there, and I look back at pictures and I'm like, "Woof, not good." <laughs> so, jersey okay, everything else not good. We had a lot of gray and black and white, so didn't have okay. to look too much. Fair enough. Fair so enough. I'm looking over your right shoulder, Coach Kelly, and I see mm -hmm. what what we got going on back there. I see an H back. I see uh, we got a front drawn up back there. What what we got going there? Yeah, that's uh, kind of just our base too high shell. Okay. I'll tell you the cool thing about that, though, and uh, I got this from one of my buddies. Um, those are magnets. Oh, wow. So it's not even a marker, so that's a magnetic board. And you want to teach kids how fits work, you know, when you're drawing up all the lines and everything. Now you're actually showing them, like, hey, this guy is gone. We're moving this guy over here. You're blocking power. You're moving everything where you need to and telling them to cover up all the gaps. And I think it's a phenomenal learning tool for us, um, especially when teaching like now I'm teaching D-line stunts and uh, showing them how like those creases open up, which is right. very tough to show on a whiteboard. So, you know, that's something that we kind of, I think we did those last year, two years ago, and they've been huge for us. Yeah. Yes. You do know it's upside down, right? Offense always goes first in <laughs> the other direction. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you just mentioned fitting up on the run. This kind of popped into my head here. What do you think is the hardest thing in teaching run fits? I think the hardest thing is initially getting your guys to understand how the what offenses are trying to do is they're trying to outnumber you to one side and how the gaps can exchange, and especially with the way the run games are evolving now and everything's kind of trickling down from the NFL to FBS to FCS and down to Division Two, You know, you're getting a lot of false pullers, false keys, but kind of looking at a kid and telling them, I know the ball's going over there, but they have a swiper coming across, and I need you to go opposite of the ball. And you say that to a young backer or safety sometimes and their head explodes because the only thing they were ever taught was, Coach, I just go get the ball, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, not really, but through your gap responsibility. But I right. think that's definitely the toughest thing for young kids when coming up here and shoot sometimes even young GA coaches with kind of just the way I was taught. You know, and I kind of bring that knowledge to them of just how we do things here. And, you know, it's kind of interesting just to make sure that we're always matching those numbers and everything like that. Yeah. So with with that being conversation. With, oh, yeah. With that being yeah. said, you teach run fits, you know, like, hey, man, 
your your fit is here, but if your gap moves, you gotta you gotta go. But like you're talking about, I need you to go do this because otherwise, you know, they're gonna throw backside or they're gonna do something because right. they just they just see you not you know honoring your assignment. With that being said, I'm gonna flow that right into one of the things you've take taken pride in is really recruiting a certain area in Missouri and getting linebackers that you've had tremendous success coaching linebackers. I mean, guys have gotten all kinds of accolades, even all American and stuff. So when you're, when you're going after kids that, you know, need to do that stuff and you know, they've been taught, Hey, you go get you, you go tackle football. What is it that Mm -hmm. you're looking at so that that transition doesn't have to be so steep? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for us and kind of when looking at linebackers, and I don't necessarily have a certain GPA in mind because I don't think that always correlates. But, you know, if we're looking at a kid that, you know, may not be the highest GPA and there's a kid with a higher GPA, we're probably going to take the kid with a higher GPA. Um, but also, I think once you get a kid on a phone and talk to him and bring him up on a visit and kind of figure out what his football knowledge is, we want to bring those football knowledge kids first. Um, Love uh, love quarterbacks, too. I've had two linebackers that have been all-conference for me that were actually high school quarterbacks, and they see the field very well. Um, also love, and for this aspect, high school running backs um, are starting. My linebacker right now, he was a high school running back, played a little bit of linebacker, but you still ask him to this day, he's a running back at heart. Um, but I love those guys because they have great vision, they can see, especially if you can find a guy that runs in between the tackles and has to read off blocks and everything, those guys generally see the field really, really well. And then running backs usually fit into our other athletic categories where it's like, you know, can he run? Does he have, you know, disregard for his body at times? You know, is he going to turn down a hit or not? Is he a guy that's going to run physical? Um and then, you know, another one that – another guy that we like to project down would be um, big safeties. That's kind of what we look for, too. So it's becoming such a pass-happy um, theme, especially here in the GLVC, to where you got to get guys that can move really well in space and everything like that. And, you know, safeties are generally – you can move a kid from back where he's seen everything just a little bit closer and, you know, see think see, – things seem to make a little bit more sense for them. So that's kind of the big things that we look for. When you're looking at identifying some guys who can play in space, what would you say is like the top three things or maybe an intangible that you're like, they got to have this or or it's just going to be a hard pass for me here? Um, The first thing that I look at is in the open field, do they hesitate when they're trying to make a tackle? Are they a kid that tries to break down and chop their feet the other the entire time? Or are they a kid that is gonna attack with proper leverage and at least shoot their shot? Like especially like in when I'm talking to linebackers in practice or really any defensive type of player in practice, you know, there can't be any hesitation. You know, once you hesitate, you give that offensive guy everything that he wants. And now he's you haven't closed as much ground on him and taken away his options so I think the biggest thing for me is just finding guys that are confident in the open field and not afraid to make a mistake I think sometimes kids get out there and they're petrified to make a mistake and 
I always tell guys, I, I literally teach them, if you're going to miss a tackle, miss it over here so your friends can come help you. Mm-hmm. You know, shoot your shot, shoot at that leg, shoot at that near hip, same foot, same shoulder it. If you're going to miss it, at least he's going into your friends, or if he runs you over, at least you can fall back and hold on for the tackle. Yeah. You know, you kind of mentioned how everything filters downwards right now, like NFL goes to the FBS, which goes down. And high school, it seems, just to me, over the past five years or so, you have to tackle in space because the Mm -hmm. easiest thing is to get these athletes one-on-one, get a mismatch, and then we're off to the races, and now we're playing basketball on grass. Right. And so what would you say – if somebody's having some trouble teaching their kids to tackle in space, what would be a great starting point for them? Um, I think the biggest thing to help kids with tackling is you have to define leverage. And I know last year our guys got sick of me saying the L word. And it wasn't necessarily love, which I say that a lot to them too, but you know, it was leverage. Everything to them, how was your leverage on that block? How was your leverage on the tackle? What leverage do you need to be to be able to force that guy to your help? Um, But no matter what, whenever you end up on a ball carrier, you should determine a leverage. The worst place for me to be against a ball carrier is head up. I have to either be to his left side, to his right side, so I can force him some way. And then from that, we teach here, same foot, same shoulder. So as those guys are coming, they're bringing, they're kind of, going downhill at a 45 and bringing that same foot, same shoulder to where they should make contact with their left foot, left shoulder or their right foot, right shoulder. And that way, especially if you have a guy that now is going to break your leverage because he's faster than you or everything. Now you have to understand how I can change my leverage. And because he ate it up, but now I switched to same foot, same shoulder the other way. And then I still have a leverage to take and I'm still pushing him. And hopefully it's lateral and not vertical because if they're going lateral, then they're not gaining any yards. And that's our main job. When, when kids first come in, say you get a freshman and, and you really, you think this dude can do it. How long does it take them to really understand leverage? Or do they ever really understand it? I think it sometimes it depends on the kid. I've had some kids where it takes them two years, three years. Some kids get it right after, basically right after spring ball. Hmm. Um, it kind of just depends. Um, I haven't, we haven't brought in a whole bunch of kids here that it's been natural to them because a lot of kids are, they're just, you know, kind of rugby tacklers where, you know, they get to as close as they can and, they make the tackle and there's necessarily a whole bunch of technique into it as opposed to like, you know, like, you know, if they do the whole you know, drop my hips, wrap, drive for five, all that stuff. But there is the, I think the part that's not coached enough is the part where you're getting to that point where you're making the tackle. Because to me, missing a tackle doesn't really have much to do with how physical you are. It's how can you put yourself in that position? majority of our missed tackles last year were because we were in the incorrect position when we were supposed to be able to make the tackle. And that goes back to 
alignment, assignment, eyes, footwork, anything like that to where, you know, were there some open field missed tackles? Yeah, we missed leverage on that. But you can look at a lot of stuff in the box and even outside the box based on where was I supposed to be when that guy got the ball and then how can I use my leverage to be able to help me make the play? Yeah. If a kid has really good leverage, he's going to be better than a really good athlete that doesn't have good leverage to me. Yeah. Football, JR, it's all lines and angles. Yeah. It's lines and angles. And 245s make it 90, and at some point you're going to intersect. <laughs> and, you know, you teach tackling, and I've taught it to really young kids, and I've taught it to high school kids, and I've, you know, in between and getting to play myself. And there's a point, and Coach Kelly, you could you can talk about this because you know you're you're doing it now as the DC there at QU. But at some point, no tackle is a bad tackle. You got them on the ground. You accomplish the goal. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you, you got it. You got it there because it's it's not easy to learn that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. do think, and you mentioned it, Coach, because you're bringing kids from back to front because of size and speed and moving. I really think, JR, call me crazy, but I, th- I think you're going to find a team, sell out, go as big as they can, and start running I-triple option at people yeah. because people have thinned out so much. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to see some 240-pound fullback mm-hmm. with a, with a big-ass tailback and some, some wide bodies across the front, and they're going to – ISO until you switch out your people and yeah. go from here. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah. It, may, yeah, but it may not. Coach, when, when you're going to, you know, for, you'd have to spin that board around for me, I think, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I totally get it. When you're coaching the kids up on defense and, and you're running this and you're working run fits, who have been some of the best and who's Who's coming up right now for QU that you're like, this kid has got it. They know what they're doing. Yeah. For us, the kid that has, like, the kid that's been the best at it just happens to be here right now. And uh, his name is Peyton Chapel. He was our first team all-conference middle linebacker last year um, as a red shirt sophomore. And it was really, truly his first year starting. He started four games the year before. Um, but he was behind Cody Leonard, who was that All-American kid. Um, but I look at Peyton Chapel, and he's a kid that has a lot of playmaking ability, very similar to Leonard. Um, but he's a kid that's truly a student of the game, and he's really kind of taken to not necessarily just the scheme-wise, but how the technique and the film study can benefit him. Um, he's been one of the best I've had. Um, just, I think, all around linebackers. Um, he, he's a pretty special kid. Nice. You're, you've come and spoke at our clinic a couple of times, which has been, you know, we're very grateful for that. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but good things. I, I, I hear all the time, you know, this Coach Pass talked about it. He's like, hey, man, Sean makes this run. He's like, I'm here. I got the job, but Sean's making this run. What a young guy wants to get into coaching, college football. Maybe he, maybe he played, maybe he didn't. What do you, you've been, 
you've worked your way up the ladder, man. I mean, you're a DC mm-hmm. now. You've, you've been there for 10 years. You're doing it from what Coach Bass says. You're like the guy behind the curtain. I mean, super kudos to you. But a young guy wants to get into college football coaching. How does he do it? What do you tell him to do? Because you've obviously walked up that stairway really, really well. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, like, when I was just trying to jump in, like, I let my college coaches know. I figured out in college that I wanted to be a college coach after I saw that all they did was football, and I thought that was awesome. I was like, that sounds perfect. I was going to be a high school history teacher, and, yeah, being a college football coach sounded a lot better to me. Um, (laughs) But the biggest thing I let them know was that I wanted to do it, and then so it kind of started my network. But then I also applied to probably 90 jobs as a graduate or for a graduate assistant job and was very, very fortunate to get some interviews. And uh, I actually you know, got a chance to actually pick where I wanted to go, which was, I didn't realize at the time, but very, very privileged to be able to do that. But I think the biggest thing and kind of having been a part of hiring GAs here and hiring other coaches here is if you want to get into college coaching, any opportunity that you get, is a phenomenal opportunity. Just a way to get your foot in the door. I think that's probably the most important thing is just being able to get your foot in the door. And then once you get your foot in the door and you get there, you have to do something special there. And I think the way, like why I've been able to be so successful here at Quincy, you know, in terms of moving up the ladder and everything is, just as you get that job, be willing to do anything and everything that's ever asked of you. You know, my my biggest thing is when I was a first-year GA, I knew I probably wasn't going to be the best linebacker coach in the conference because just sheer knowledge and everything. But I knew that recruiting is a very big part of football, especially college football. And I was like, that just seems like, a relationship piece and something that you can work really hard at. So I decided to try to be the best recruiter I can be. And then once I proved that I was a good recruiter, then I started trying to take on any other small job that I could to be able to get that experience and pretty much make myself to where if I left, they would be, oh crap, what do we do now? Yeah. You know, so I think that kind of, I do know that kind of kept me in the job when I was kind of there in limbo for a while. Like, hey, I'm done with my GA. What are you guys going to do right now? You know, it's tough to get rid of the guy that's doing film, laundry, academics, and doing a lot in recruiting, you know. So that was probably the biggest thing that I did. Um, And then I think the other thing is just I treated every single day with everybody that was on staff like a job interview. To me, I was working for every single person's recommendation because you never necessarily know where someone's going to end up, when they're going to end up. And, you know, obviously people will tell you, well, yeah, obviously you work hard in front of the head coach, but I've had some graduate assistant friends that have gone really good places and, you know, some of the full-time guys, you know, to me, you have to interview for everybody and, ask yourself the question, is there anyone on the staff that wouldn't hire me? And if there is, what can I do to fix that? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned recruiting. 
What's the wildest recruiting visit you've been on? You got a crazy story or anything? Um, he's, smi he's smiling, JR. So there's one that he doesn't <laughs> want to talk about. And that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. There, we're, was, we're gonna a, hear uh, there was a really fun time when uh, Coach Bass first got the head coaching job. Um, that just like right after the season, we decided we were going to go down to Florida. And uh, Coach Bass decided that me uh, being the defensive coordinator and him being the offensive guy, that we were going to go down to Florida. So we went down to the Tampa area. Okay. And that was really, truly kind of the first time I thought, wow, this is like real recruiting for me. Yeah. Like, when I go recruiting in St. Louis, I stay at my parents' house and have dinner with my parents and, you know, see my sister and everything and got to jump on a plane, got to go to all these schools, got to stay in a hotel. And, you know, we had an absolute blast and we happened to stay right next to the beach too. So that perfect. Helps. So that was, that was a great time. Tampa's was a, great time. a beautiful I told Bass area. Time. Oh, it, beautiful. it was awesome. It was awesome. And we knew one of the high school head coaches there. So he took us out to dinner like three nights and it was wow. a great time. It's For amazing sure. what you, what you can just see around our country sometimes, you know, I love the beach mm -hmm. and we try to go down to Pensacola beach every year and, you know, and I've been down to Tampa. I went down and went to an IMG thing just to check that place out. And it was, it was unbelievable. The Bradenton area, all that place down there. It's just, it's incredible. So I'm going to ask you this one. Bill and I talk about this a lot. We've been discussing this quite a bit lately. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a little concerned. Okay. It's all right. Uh, we got plausible deniability. So <laughs> Okay. So we talk sometimes about within an offense, is it better to just be able to package stuff to where, say, you show a little option, but then it's not necessarily your whole offensive philosophy. So I'm mm -hmm. curious from your standpoint, what is harder to deal with somebody that's got a philosophy and we're going to bring it at you as many different ways as we can. Like, you know, we may have power is our main thing, but we're going to formation mm -hmm. and try to confuse you. Or is it somebody that's like, Holy hell. I mean, what are they going to come out in next? Cause we've got option. Now we're getting zone read. Now we're getting this. What, what's more difficult. Do you think? The uh, one I'll tell you is more difficult, but I also believe it's harder to do on the offensive side is when you throw a whole bunch of stuff out there um, and you can do a whole bunch of different things. Like to me, some of the toughest offenses that we go against are the teams that stay in the same personnel and give us every formation imaginable. I know we played Drake back in 2016, I believe. And they were a base 12 personnel team, but they could get in 10 personnel formations. They could get in 21 personnel formations, 12 personnel, 11 personnel. So where for us, you're kind of calling it blind because you don't necessarily know exactly what they're going to do. But I do think that is a little, you have to have the players to do that. And I think you're probably always going to be a little bit more successful honing in on, like, I'm, I'm a very big believer of keep it simple for the kids and let them play fast. And my kids playing fast are going to be better than your kids guessing, you know? So I think the more you can keep it simple is the better, but 
it's tougher to game plan if you do a lot. A lot of stuff. You know, even kind of talking about talking to other offensive coordinators in the league. There's some guys that toss and triple every once in a while. And there's some things that, like, I think offensive coordinators think they're kind of getting one up on. But if it's not something that you major in, we have a – we'll have a check throughout the year and we'll just put that in and roll with it usually. So sometimes it doesn't – sometimes – you're not necessarily being as smart as you can, I think. So I think keeping it simple is probably the best. But game plan wise, as a DC, you do a lot. It's a little bit longer nights for us. Yeah. You know, I listened to uh, it was something on Bobby Knight one time, the famous basketball coach up at Indiana, and they said it at some points during the game, if it wasn't going well, he's like, it doesn't matter what we're doing. You guys just go play. Because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, and, you know, you can kind of add your opinion on this, I just think people try to outthink themselves a little too much. It's like, well, now they're doing this. And especially at high school, it's like, what are they even good at right now? (laughs) Just do one freaking thing that works here and just stick with it. It just seems they outthink themselves a lot or get too sneaky, you know? I'm a very – and I had this kind of – this epiphany – a couple my first year as a defensive coordinator um and it really doesn't matter what i call um because over cover three for us is not a play where we're trying to get an interception right we had two interceptions on it because a defensive end backboarded one and made a great play and a slot receiver pretty much threw the ball to our corner you know (laughs) So our kids were just playing fast and doing what they were supposed to do. I called over cover three a lot of other times that year, and they didn't result in interceptions or really good plays or anything. So I think to me, as long it's it's not necessarily what you call, it's how you prepare your guys, what you teach them, and what you prepare them for that they're going to get out of that so they can play fast. And I think if you can do that, and you do that with your entire game plan and everything, you're going to have a way better game for your kids. And sometimes you have – I've had a lot of great calls where I've blitzed right into it and it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, but how many times did I run that in practice for that kid to see that? It may have been once, you know, and he wasn't necessarily prepared for everything where you know there's a stunt that we run all the time and we run the stunt right into it and we get the tfl and it's like well, yeah we practice that a whole bunch of times yeah sometimes it's not necessarily about dialing it up but i tell you there's nothing better than when you actually dial it up and it works yeah. that's really cool yeah you're like hey i think this one's going to be an interception it is best feeling you feel like the smartest man in the world absolutely absolutely so w- when you're doing this coach and again, thank you for always sharing all your stuff with us. Cause you've never yeah. said no anytime we've asked you. So thank you in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're, you're doing this and I want to know, okay. So JR, for those people who don't know, I'm a surgeon. So like everything that, like everything I do in the OR is step, 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 step. You don't skip steps. You do, you know, you're, you're following a script basically. How much for you is scripted so you know exactly what's going to happen on every play of team, 
offense, defense, down distance, yard hash, whatever it may be. Is that important to you or is it just like, hey, we're going to play for a segment? Um, I actually love both. Um, I think there's – and Bass does a really good job of this for us um, in our practices. But, like, whenever we're doing, like, our team versus scouts, to me that is always scripted out. So I'm making sure that we're getting – the exact calls versus the exact looks that they're giving us to where, and that's more to me, we're not running full speed. It's more of a jog and talk than anything to where we can make sure, hey, we're fitting everything up. Hey, we're seeing, getting to the correct drops. We're, you know, seeing exactly where they need to go and kind of talking through that. And if there's any mistakes, we stop practice, talk about it, rerun it, and, get them kind of because I think if you get a kid to like know something's coming that's awesome for them because now they can anticipate it so I love right. that aspect of right. teaching but I think there is and we then on the other end like usually at the end of practice we do a good on good mm-hmm. offense versus defense and that's totally unscripted and I know just this year us doing that really prepared me a lot more for calling a game and looking at situations and everything like that, because there is so much where you have to do it on the fly and you have to, it made me do a lot better job this year of sticking to my game plan as opposed to just calling off the hip. That was the one thing I needed to really work on this year was sticking on the game plan and not just trying to be rain man out there. And uh, (laughs) that really helped me a lot. So I really like both aspects. I think it's what are you trying to get out of it? Sure. Yeah. How is the spring season going to re- going to really affect you guys? Because you have to turn around and then again and play in a few months right after that. Mm-hmm. As far as everybody knows, I don't think they're going to move college football to the spring, JR. I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> long term. You know, you baseball guys will start getting all bent yeah, out of shape. That's or a whatever. communist plot. That's all I Yeah, communist say. plot. So <laughs> how how is that going to affect you coaching how's it going to affect the kids you don't have to you don't have to get on a soapbox if you don't want but you know really what's what's it going to do i think the biggest thing it's going to do for us is like going into the spring you know what is the spring going to consist of is it a full slate is it a half slate if it's a half slate you know how do you look at that season? Is it necessarily just a kind of, hey, let's get better as like kind of almost like preseason games for the NFL? Or is it a full slate to where you can still win a conference championship and everything like that? And I know that's what we're really geared towards, but I think it's gonna be for us, hopefully a time where we can get some younger guys in and kind of really develop our program to where it could be a really competitive spring ball for us. But, you know, I think it's definitely going to be one of those things where, you know, maybe we're not pushing guys to their exact limit because we know we got to turn around and play, you know, in a couple months. So maybe not, you know, not that we purposely run guys into the ground, but, you know, if there's a kid that looks dead tired and he's looking at you like one more play, it's like, no, you can come out. Like, yeah, we'll put someone else in and let's try to go win, get to the playoffs next year. 
Right. You know, so I think I think it's going to be really interesting how everyone attacks it because I think everyone's going to attack it differently because I think everyone's at different stages in their programs and it's just going to be interesting to see what they think is best for the program because I know the one thing Bass always says we're not trying to create a good football team we're trying to create a, create a good football program right. you know so I think whatever's going to benefit us the most as a program is going to be probably what we're going to do I'm kind of curious what your answer would be on this one because uh, I like breaking down film that's kind of my – I just like that, you know, and I think you have to like it to want to mm-hmm. do a good job at it. So when you initially turn somebody on, let's say you've never played this opponent before and you're scrolling through it for your first look, what are you looking at to start with? Are you looking at formations? Or are you just looking at personnel? Or are you looking at – what are you looking at? Um, the biggest thing I look at is formations and pers- – like formations first probably – kind of just seeing, you know, what type of team are they? You know, if I don't have any knowledge of them, you know, are they a 12-21 personnel type team? Are they, you know, throw the ball over the yard type team? So I think a lot of times the formations kind of tell you, and I kind of start to get an idea, okay, this is what we've run versus this. This is what we could run. You know, we can keep this base. Oh, wow, they came out in this. This is something that we haven't necessarily seen yet. This is something we're going to have to talk about as a staff. Um, Because as we get into our conference, a lot of the guys, you know, we kind of know what they're going to run. But like last year, Lindenwood jumped in our league. And I remember putting them on for the first time. I was like, okay, what are they trying to do? Because I would heard a whole bunch of different things. I heard they were a 12 personnel team. And I turn it on and I see that they're a 12 personnel team that's throwing the ball all over the yard. And you're like, oh, really? (laughs) <laughs> wasn't prepared for that uh okay let's get prepared for that then you know and it wasn't anything that we hadn't seen but to me formations tell you a lot about an offense and how that offensive coordinator is kind of thinking and trying to use his personnel so if you i'll follow up on this so if you have somebody let's say that's you know, got two by one or two by two. What's the first thing went through your head when I said two by one or two by two? What are you thinking right then? Um, I'm thinking two by one or two by two. Two yeah. by two, I'm basically thinking of either a 10 or 11 personnel formation. And, you know, whether that's two by two detached or mm-hmm. two by two with a tight end detached or tight end detached. And then two by one, I'm thinking – I hope they're not a split triple team. <laughs> that, right. That's a totally different uh, game plan that we got to make sure we talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. A little I'm bit of scars you. from the first year of coaching. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to change topics, Coach, because uh, I, have, I have my personal favorite, but you've been there 10 years now. So I want to know your favorite restaurant in Quincy. <laughs> Great one. Oh. That's a tough one because there's so many good places here. Now I we're going to tag them. We're going to tag them as soon as Jr. puts this podcast out. Okay. We're get, we're going to tag them. They got a so Twitter. If they got a Twitter or an Instagram or a Twittergram Snapbook yeah. or some Slapchat. Snapchat. That's my favorite. Slapchat. Snapchat. <laughs> if they've got something going on, we're gonna we're gonna tag them. So next time you roll in there, maybe you're not paying for the meal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I love chicks. 
um, chicks, chicks on the river. They have, uh, okay. they have these awesome, they're basically chicken fingers. And sometimes I kind of feel like a kid telling people about them, but you know, they're about an inch big or big around and probably usually about six inches long. And they put them in all these different types of sauces and yeah. that's phenomenal. And they actually probably have one of the best burgers in Quincy too. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Love that place. So, for for me, is my wife's favorite. What's it called? Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Okay, I don't yeah, know that one. That, that's the uh, Italian place where birthday, anniversary, anything that I want to treat her very nice to, we're going okay. tiramisu. Okay. All right. Well, those are probably the top two. For, us. for you okay yeah so anytime my wife and i roll back into quincy jr we go to gem city pizzeria okay you are big into pizza i i, I will am. just make this statement to anybody yeah. who's listened yeah. to all these this dude knows pizza i do know pizza <laughs> we go to gem city pizza but listen jr i get the nachos oh for god's sake because they come in the pizza box Okay, as God is my witness, my wife can come in and tell you about it. <laughs> they come in a pizza box. They're incredible. I mean, we'll go there and, and go and get them. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's very good. Gem City Pizza. Really. Huh. But get the nachos. And, but you get the nachos. <laughs> the pizza's good. Don't get me wrong. The pizza's good. But that, that's what we would go get. Okay. So, Coach Kelly, I'm going to tell you just how old I am. Oh, boy. Okay. So, when I got to Quincy, there was no steak and shake. But Whoa. it was big news because <laughs> steak and I know <laughs> because it was big news because during my time at Quincy, Jr. Steak and Shake showed up. Oh, jeez! So mm. it was out on the other end of town. Yeah, it was not close. A lot of people didn't go there. But when recruits came in, Jr. Re when recruits came in, and my coach would say, "Hey, go take them to dinner, do whatever." I took them to steak, steak and shake. shake. <laughs> Nobody else was around. I could talk to them. I could answer their questions. I wasn't taking them to other hot spots around town. And I certainly wasn't taking them anywhere to get like alcohol or anything like that. I wasn't doing that. I'm, oh, like, hey, man, I'm just telling you the right thing here. Okay. But JR, <laughs> here's an interesting stat and coach Kelly, you're going to appreciate this. Every recruit I took out to dinner ended up coming to Quincy. Oh, so we need to start taking Mistake and shake then. So we got hey. we got to tag oh. chicks, tiramisu, <laughs> Gem City. nachos, and then Jim uh, City. No, it's yeah. Gem J E M because they yeah. do. It's Gem City. It's uh, there's actually a. I'm not even gonna say the word because it sounds bad. There's actually a a college there that works on you know fine gems. Yep, like a jeweler. Yeah, well, yeah, but there's a name for the study of it. I'm not going to mention it. It sounds bad, all right? Don't, don't bring it up, Chair. Don't bring it okay. up. Okay. We'll just... All right? All right. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll Google it. You'll <laughs> Google it. JR has one more question for yeah. you, Coach, because you're a D coordinator. So we're going to ask, and uh, JR, take it away. Uh, we are way, 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 way winning now, JR. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, no pressure, Coach Kelly, no pressure, but we're winning. So just let's see what you answer here. All right, Coach Kelly. So Coach Duke, when me and him were on the defensive side a few years ago, we tried to simplify things as much as possible when breaking down an opponent. And so mm -hmm. we came up with this theory 
that we contend is correct, that there is only three ways to run a football. You can either run it inside the tackles, outside the tackles, or it's some type of option, which means it's either inside or outside. And so we put up a Twitter poll a long time ago, and we said, what does everybody think? And people disagree with us. And we said, come on the show, and, you know, you will talk it out, crickets. And so uh, <laughs> everybody we've had on has agreed with us with a couple of exceptions here and there. Coach Ken Baum down at WashU said he thinks the quarterback sneak is just its own separate entity. And that's a mindset. And we're like, okay, we'll give you that. And yeah. somebody said, well, what about misdirection? It's like, well, where else are you going? You can only go one or two places. So our question is, do you, what do you think? Do you think there's only three ways inside, outside and option? I mean, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Accurate. I mean, you can even toss in RPOs. They're either going to yep. run the ball inside or throw the ball outside or, which are still basically runs, and yeah, if you want to truly simplify it all the way down, like we kind of tell our guys, receivers can only go three ways, up, out, or in. You can only run the ball up the middle, on the outside. Yeah, yep. I can see all that. Right. We are so winning, that. Jr. We are we are so winning. Okay, we're like twenty six so, for twenty six. I, know, I, I, mean, I think Coach Ken Baum agreed with us. He just he just didn't want to say it. So. No, he didn't want to <laughs> say it. It's okay. And somebody else said misdirection. And I'm yeah, like, like, well, JR is like, where are you going, backwards? <laughs> backwards is not a way to go backwards. in a football That's game. Right. You could go that way. Offensive guys should make the backwards one go. I think that would be great for people. <laughs> Do something you'll never expect. Go backwards. <laughs> That's right. Go backwards. They may not That's be employed very long. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You only need it for, versus the Hawks. That's fine. That's right. <laughs> oh, Coach Kelly, it's been great. You, uh, you've been it for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. And the way the, the way the show is played is that we believe tag is the oldest game you ever played. And the objective is to not be it. If you would like to continue to play tag, it'd be it. That's up to you. But most most people just want to tag somebody else. And here's the deal. If you tag somebody that is on the secret list of guests for JR and I, or we get to somebody on that list, we're going to send some money to your charity. It's not a lot of money. JR and I are pretty broke because we're doing all this ourselves. Um, maybe it's we just buy some people some nachos from Gem City or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But – Here's the thing. We have a list. We actually have a list, JR. You and I put it together. Yeah, we people, have. I, I think people are starting it's to It's not think, mythical. Oh, it's yeah, not, not like mythical. a unicorn. It actually <laughs> yeah, exists. It, it actually is this. And it's not like Barack Obama, okay? It's not it, – we're not trying to do that. We'll we're take just him. Trying, you know? We'll take him. I mean, if you're listening, Mr. Former, Mr. President, it's okay. You come, can on. come on. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. But we have thousands of people listening now, Coach Kelly, and actually – JR, we need to make a QU competition. If Coach Kelly's podcast gets more listens oh. than oh. Coach Bass's podcast, we'll do something. We, we got to do something, JR. We'll, we'll come he, up with he something. Did, he did really, really well on the first day. The first day, Coach, he, 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 all right, hit, let's see here. Coach he Bass well. is at just 
just on SoundCloud is at 73 SoundCloud. plays. And 73. so that was eight days. So that's the competition. That That's his. Now we're also on iTunes and iHeartRadio. Yeah, everywhere. And, and, <laughs> and a bunch of stuff, Spotify and all this we're stuff. We're out of control. So let's, let's do this, JR. If his podcast beats Coach Bass's, we'll buy it. We'll buy him dinner. Uh, chicks or tiramisu for his wife. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let's there do it. Go. Yeah. Let's All right. Do we'll it. do it. We'll do it. So if you beat him, so if you want to play tag, who would you tag? I would tag Atiba Bradley, who is currently the defensive coordinator at McKendry. Okay. okay. And uh, used to be the defensive coordinator here at Quincy. Um, he's been at South Dakota, Mizzou, Western Illinois. So one of my biggest mentors in the coaching profession and uh, absolutely energetic and awesome guy. Awesome. Great. Well, we look forward to that conversation. And, you know, JR, one thing I think is really, really clear. We've had two conversations up there in Illinois, and the Hawks are going to be just fine. Oh right. yeah, the, 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 you guys are going to be good. We got to go okay. up in the spring. We we need to do it. We need. To yeah, we up. need we need to go up there. And you know what, Jr. If we do go up there, I'm going to show you there was actually a bowl game played by Quincy. Really? Okay. And there it was a sanctioned bowl game, and the trophies in there, Jr. And because uh, we won the Mississippi Mud Bowl or some I don't know what it was called, but <laughs> something like that. I used to Some know. I used to yeah. know. I used to know. So, um, it was against Culver, wasn't it? It was against Culver, JR, and my name is on that trophy. So hang on. You, you played a bowl game against somebody across the river. We did. It was a <laughs> sanctioned bowl game. Yeah. Where? Yep. We did. It was, uh, it was sanctioned by, at the time, uh, the NC2A or whatever, and it was a real, it was a real thing. We really? played in it. Yep. We played I'll in it. Let's go do it. And and my and listen, trust me when I tell you, I don't know, a year ago or whatever when we were there, two it was two years ago. Two years ago when we were there, don't think I didn't parade my kids in front of that and go, see, your dad did play college football. You know, look, my <laughs> did name, it say backup punter on it? No, it it just <laughs> it, it just says your name, Jr. Okay. It just says your name. Okay. So it it's cool. I'll take you by there, Jr. Let's check it out. Oh yeah, we're we're coming up, coach. We're coming up. Yep. Okay. There we go. You figure out when. Now, if during that time, Jr. They need to, you know, try me out to punt. Uh, I'll be ready. Yeah, Coach Kelly, ready. you listen to that. So, Coach Bass said it'd be a great thing. You know, he can double as a team doctor. Do not oh, yeah. put him at linebacker. Don't do that. <laughs> what? What? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Well, we'll get good. you to play at linebacker, but mainly you can punt. That way, we can throw him off, and they're wondering why our linebackers back there punting that'd be great hey listen listen i'm pretty sure right now i could will myself through at least one quarter i could will myself just straight will no warm-up no like no like trying to get ready just sheer adrenaline and will for one quarter jr now coach come on you know you could step out there for a quarter Coach Kelly, uh, you know you could. I'd have to make sure Bass ran the ball out that quick. <laughs> Keep you off the field. Keep oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, oh, it's been, it's, it's been great. I can't wait uh, to get to your buddy 
uh, it, that's going to be a good time too. Yeah. Is there a question you would like us to ask him? Ooh. Think about it, tweet me, I'll send it to me on Twitter. Do gotcha. whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, coach, we're going to have to off air. We're going to have to get your shirt size. So we're going to give you one of those shirts that JR is wearing. Uh, they're amazing shirts. They're very comfortable. I wear it all the time. Uh, it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure, coach. Thank you very much. You yeah. are always invited, invited back on. to our, you're always invited yeah. back to our clinic for whatever you want to do. Um, we're going to, that thing, we're going to blow that thing out this year. It's going to be, we, we, have some big plan, we have some big plans for it. So are you guys still thinking about doing it in the spring? It's, it's very, it's very possible. It, it depends on what's going to happen because of people playing and JR's yeah. got this baseball thing he's trying to do. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of crazy. I go win titles. What do I do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> he's some, he's some incredible hitting coach or something. I don't know. That's don't the know. rumor. I, no idea. I don't know. I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm a good bike rider now. Yeah. He is so. a very good bike rider. I'm a good bike For, rider. Uh, for Simmons, Duke, and Coach Kelly, uh, it's a great day to be a Hawk. And JR, quick story. I want to oh, no. say one more thing before we go. Okay. Two years ago, I was up at Quincy, and the 1993 football team that I was on got inducted into the Hall of Fame at Quincy. And oh. to tell you one of my favorite parts of that ceremony there was a saying that one of the coaches had. One of the coaches who was out there coaching on def um, defense, I believe, he would run out and yell, all ye hawks. And everybody on the team, Coach Kelly, do you know this? No, he, every Okay, so everybody on the team just started yelling, hawks, 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 three times. We would yell it, right? Okay. So we're, we're, at, we're at the ceremony, and it was one of the coolest things. We're all 40-year-old something guys. Some are close to 50 because some dudes came in when they were late 20s, right? And um, Triple red shirt, but it's cool. Triple, I know, right? <laughs> and some, one of the guys, I don't remember who did it, uh, was just saying like, you know, for people who couldn't be here and stuff. And one of the guys said, out of nowhere, he goes, all ye hawks. And every dude in the room that was on that team, without missing a beat, goes, hawks, hawks, hawks. It was one of the coolest things. Cool of the entire entire weekend it's i still think about it. it gets me emotional thinking about it just the memories that flood through but you know i know coach kelly you and coach bass are creating stuff like that for kids all the time we could hear the passion in your voice and uh it's an absolute pleasure to know that you guys are taking care of my alma mater so thank you very much yeah for sure he's jr simmons I'm Coach Duke. He's Coach Kelly. If you got any defensive questions, hit him up on Twitter. Reach out to him through his email on Quincy. You will not be disappointed. I've heard the guy speak. Uh, it's amazing up there. Thank you guys very much. God bless. Have a great night.